obviously the event that kind of caused it testing testing one two three one two three one two three testing testing you are watching tv testing testing one two three one two three one two three testing 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 tv testing tv testing tv testing testing one two three one two three testing testing Testing, one, two, three, one, two, three. All right, sound works there. Testing. There you go, testing, testing,
Good evening, everyone. Welcome to this special meeting of the Common Council for Thursday, May 13th. Um, I'll call this meeting to order. Roll call. Fire. Pachel. Here. Rosenditch. Here. Marshall. Here. Wagner. Here. Witzel. Here. Fisher. Here. Spiros. Here. Budke. Handler. Yes. Will you all please rise for the Pledge of Allegiance? The Pledge of Allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Thank you. Uh, item number C is a public comment period. At this time, the council president will recognize members of the public who have indicated a desire to address the council. Upon recognition by the council president, persons may address the council first stating their name and address. The council may act on emergency matters introduced by members of the public. Do we have any public comments this evening? Anyone from the public want to make a comment? Third time? Seeing no one. Item D, opening comments on proposed 2022 to 2026 CIP. Mr. Barr. Thank you very much. Back. Well, uh, pleasure to be here for the first of our CIP work sessions. Uh, thanks for making the time for this. Tonight is the first of the two scheduled ones. The next one is scheduled for two weeks from tonight, Thursday, May 27th, also at 6 p.m. Hopefully two meetings will be enough. Uh, it would have been the first year. The last year, in 2020, we had several meetings. There were some complications. The first meeting was largely taken up by uh, some COVID issues as the pandemic was pretty new. So uh, we'll do our best to try and keep things moving and, and uh, be as timely as we can with the decisions you need to make along the way. The, uh, the Capital Improvement Program is our second most important financial document. Uh, it's sort of a blueprint. If you think about that as sort of a, a guidebook that modifies from year to year as priorities change. Uh, it's always been intended mainly for streets, um, infrastructure, buildings, facilities, but we've modified it a little bit, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Um, the budget is a fixed plan. That's where if you want to make changes, you need a budget resolution. It's a fixed document, but this one is a little bit more fluid, and uh, it, it uh, modifies from year to year as some of the priorities um, are altered with time. The priority is given to maintaining our existing infrastructure, buildings, and facilities. Um, if you look at the book, you'll see a matrix and, and talks about, you know, um, how they get ranked. Uh, we also like to be able to do new things when we can, but typically in the current environment, environment we have financially, we're doing well if we can just keep up uh, and maintain the infrastructure buildings and facilities that we have now. That's our number one goal. Funding sources, there are a lot of them. Uh, I'm sure you can see them in the book. They include tax levy, borrowing, room tax, grants, uh, EMS and wastewater fees, fund balance applied, uh, and there's others along the way. Donations come into play, a lot of possible funding sources for projects. The project, the process was changed a lot three years ago. Uh, we went through a, a process where we actually <coughs> adopted a, a new, uh, I believe it's an ordinance or a policy, um, and Dan connected a great job in getting that in place. This was in the uh, December of 2018. We took out what was formerly referred to as the CIP Administrative Committee. It used to be made up of four members of the council, and uh, the mayor, a plan commission member, and a citizen at large. And we went to more of a staff-driven process. So you realize this is the first time you've seen this, and yet you've got a document that's been prepared for your consideration tonight. That's how far along the process is. We modified those project lists to include items of $10,000 in value and five years useful life. So where it's typically been for major infrastructure and, and building and facility upgrades, 
Now it, it can come down to smaller projects. Technology has a lot of, of projects that fit the category of uh, $10,000 minimum and five years useful life. There's others as well. So it's now thought of by staff as, as more like major projects than, than capital per se. Uh, in preparing this, we give a lot of thanks to Dan Kinect, who did a great job again as a point person, Amy Krogman, for her work in putting it together uh, with Dan, and then the department heads who all contributed by coming up with their list of projects and prioritizing them. All the uh, affected department and division heads, though, deserve credit for their work on this document. As far as the CFP borrowing target, uh, we're looking at $17 million over five years. It sounds like a lot of money, but it's less than we've targeted in the past. I think a couple of years ago, we were at 19 and a half million. Um, that might've been 2020. So we, we've come down a little bit. Part of that comes from the five-year financial plan that we adopted uh, about a year and a half ago now, a little over a year ago with Ellers. And we're looking at updating that as soon as the 2020 audit is completed, which you'll be seeing hopefully in the next month or so. That'll give us kind of an impetus to look forward. But uh, the plan calls for $3.3 million in borrowing each of the first two years, 3.4 million in 2024, and then 3.5 million in 2025 and 2026. But that is, again, a fair amount less than we've seen in, in previous years. Tax levy is not as available to us. That's one of the things we've seen over the past decade that I've been here. Right now we're showing about $1.2 million over five years. Uh, that might be a bit much because uh, the budget is very tight, as you know. And uh, structurally, we've got some challenges we're still working through. As in past years, uh, as like I said, maintenance is the top priority. The uh, Order for presentations is shown on your agenda. It's alphabetical. And uh, in past years, sometimes we've had issues where you're trying to find what part of the book we're on. That shouldn't happen now. Just walking straight through from beginning to end. And uh, it's all alphabetical and, and tabbed appropriately that way. We will try our best to get done with most, if not all, of the presentations tonight. We don't want to rush. We know that you have questions. We want to hear those. Um, and if we don't finish tonight, we'll wrap up the remaining presentations on um, May 27th, and then get into the council discussion at that point in terms of what changes, alterations, additions, or whatever you'd like to see done to the five-year CIP. So respecting your time, we're going to try to adjourn by 8 o'clock. I think we've done that in the past. Uh, I've got one agenda item on there that says council questions, more information that you want before the next meeting. So maybe it might be prudent to wrap up around 7, 7.55 to allow for a couple of minutes of requests for information from council members before we adjourn. Having said all that, any questions before we dive into the actual project list? Did everyone find the, the CIP book on the computer? Okay, good. Very good, excellent. Okay, item E, review of proposed CIP projects by function. First up is administration. And I get that one. There's only one project on there and we're gonna be requesting that it be pulled off in fact, you could make a motion to that effect if you, if you see fit. This has been on our agenda for the past um, several years, and that is the realization that we have to do another revaluation of all the property in the city. And the estimate's been around $500,000. Uh, there are more than, there's more than one way to do this. Uh, $500,000 is more the full way. There's other ways you can do it that are a little less thorough. But what I'm being told right now by our assessor, Jim Toth, is that especially with COVID, there's some issues as to how property values may shake out in the next year or two. It may be prudent not to do that. Now, I say that realizing that we're under 90%, uh, according to what the state has us for equalized value. It's our second year below 90%. That does start to suggest that you ought to be thinking reval. But again, he, he seems pretty confident that we ought to take it off the, uh, the plate entirely from the five-year plan. We can always put it on 
next year or two years out, but he really wants to see what the impact is on property values. He actually thinks that perhaps the, the uh, assessed value as a percentage of equalized value might creep up depending upon the COVID impact. So I'm making a request right now that you take that item off the five-year um, CIP. Um, Mr. Fisher has a question. Um, I'm just curious, uh, so you, you wanna take it off all five years is what I'm hearing. Yeah, we had, had it spread over five years. And, and again, this is where I go back to the fact that this is a, an evolving document. You know, we might be standing in front of you 12 months from now saying, put it back on, values are still dropping and uh, you know, we're going below 87% and it looks like that's the trend. But right now we're suggesting that it be pulled. Okay, I'm looking for Ms. Spiros, did you have a question? Are you looking for a motion right now for that? Yes, please. I'll make a motion to that fact. Okay, second by Mr. Fisher. Are there any further questions or comments? All in favor? Uh, do you have to do a roll call or? I don't think necessarily. Okay, all in favor, signify by saying aye. 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 Anyone opposed? That motion carries. Thank you. Next up is the airport. Good afternoon, Jeff Geyer from the airport. Uh, I believe it starts on page 32. Our first project is 415-3816, which is reconstruction of payment, or pavement, I'm sorry. And what this is, is this is the main runway at the airport, 1634. It was originally reconstructed in 1991. Uh, since then, it's had multiple sealed coat projects on it. Uh, just recently, it had an emergency patch repair on it because uh, it had expansion joints designed into it every 100 feet, and those expansion joints over the years have turned into reverse speed bumps. That's not something good to have when you're landing a multi-million dollar aircraft on a surface. Uh, being a transportation entity, we are very fortunate that we can get help by petitioning the state of Wisconsin Bureau of Aeronautics uh, for assistance, and because of that, we have federal and state funds that help us with projects like this. Uh, the project itself is going to be over $2 million, but of that, our shares right now only scheduled to be $125,000. And that's because federal funds are going to be kicked in on it, and state funds are also going to be kicked in on it. Right now, the project is being planned for a total reconstruction of the runway as it exists now, which is 5,002 feet by 100 feet wide. There's no plans in this for any expansion. The next project I have is 415-3828, which is the old terminal building demolition. This is the old airline terminal building that was built uh, back in the 1970s for Penn State Airlines. Uh, it was originally built by uh, several business owners in Marshfield, and they donated eventually to Mackey. Mackey eventually donated it to the city of Marshfield. Uh, we utilized this airport, or this building itself, as a 
office complex building for years, renting it out to different businesses. The last entity that was in there was the Marshfield Area Pet Shelter. And we've been planning before the pet shelter got in that this would be probably the end of life for building because it really serves no aviation purpose where it's located and it's costing too much to keep it going more or less. So we are planning a demolition and we're working with the state to hopefully get some state and federal funds to help us with that. That is $50,000 that we have planned right now for 2023. The last project I have is 4153830, the Precision Approach Path Light Indicator Lights. This is a companion project to the runway reconstruction. These lights are located along both ends of the runway on 16 and 34. Uh, right now we have something called Visual Approach Path indicator lights or path or bassies. And that technology is from 1970s. It's obsolete. They want to replace it with something new that we can keep up to date called pathies. Uh, what this allows is uh, let's say there's a cloud layer here. And as soon as the airplane breaks through, they see these lights on the runway and it tells them if they're too low or too high. Uh, that's really handy when you only have a few hundred feet of visibility ahead of you. Uh, replacing these, again, we're using state and federal funds and our share is going to be 17,000. Right now we're planning that the overall cost would be close to 400,000 for those. And again, state and federal funds help offset the cost. Any questions? Any questions for Jeff? Seeing none, I guess that's it. Thanks, Jeff. Thank you. Next up is the cemetery, Justin. He's gonna be right behind me. Apparently I can't count the two because I had another project from administration that was focused on, on just the assessing issue that's come up recently. But if you oh, look back at administration, uh, we do get taxi vehicles that we procure. 80% of them are funded by grants. So when you see the dollar amount, it looks high, but we only pay 20%. We're looking at getting uh, one taxi a year for four of the five years uh, and getting two in 2025. So again, even though the total amount of the cost is about a quarter million dollars, we only pay uh, roughly $50,000 of that. And that allows us to keep up with uh, the needs of the, uh, the taxi fleet. So I would take any questions on that. Questions? And I do apologize, thank you. Okay. Now you're up, Justin. All right, cemetery can be found on page uh, 35. The only project we have slotted for the cemetery over the next five years is road maintenance. Uh, that's 15,000 in 2023 and 20, uh, 2025. The road maintenance, as you can imagine, is uh, repair and maintaining the roads that are in the cemetery, which could be complete replacement, crack filling, sealing, uh, could be concrete work depending on where it's located. Uh, Soils are not the best there, so sometimes we have to do extra over excavation. Uh, we do have 15,000 in this year's budget, which we do work with the street department on uh, getting good costs for asphalting. So those are the only two we have scheduled for the cemetery in the next five years. Any questions for Justin on the cemetery? Mrs. Spiros. Um, I'm just not sure the answer to this. So do you contract somebody to come in and fix that or do those street department fix it? 
Uh, we do a combination depending on the size and magnitude of what we can get. Typically, we do in house and with uh, street department. Okay, thank you. Any other questions? Seeing none, we'll move on to communications. Tom. Ooh. All right, thank you. Um, Looking at uh, two projects. Uh, one is a build out project, uh, again, 2023. Uh, project number is 235,001. Uh, we're looking for a $25,000 build out uh, for the communications department, and uh, that would be looking at the community center. Uh, but before that, uh, I believe that we need to get public input uh, via survey uh, put out. Uh, make sure that the needs of doing this is is uh, needed. Uh, public access is, uh, but I'm just saying the use of a studio, providing equipment and editing space and training for local producers um, and nonprofits. We do that now, and uh, that's why we have a public space. Otherwise, if we're uh, seeing the need not to go that route and just accept programming, uh, for our public access stations, which we do quite a bit now, and that's our, our main uh, attraction, I'll say, of, of the station of how we get programming now, is getting it done uh, by local individuals out in the community, like local churches. That means we wouldn't need that kind of space, and we could possibly then work downstairs in this building. Um, but uh, we need to see the, the needs of the community and, and the want, uh, and we need to do that uh, now with this year. Uh, by doing a survey. So that's why we still want to put the 25,000 just in case that's needed also because our lease will end in 2024 here over at Old City Hall. And if we are going to do a build out, it is going to take some time. And uh, that is a very, very, very rough estimate at this point. Um, and uh, both myself and uh, our Parks and Recreation Director looked at some space over there. So there is some possibility. Um, and uh, the other thing is we would have to also see if, uh, if we would need to pay back rent to the city because the department is funded by franchise fees and not the general fund. So then is, it, is that feasible to, again, what are you going to charge for rent if that was to ha happen? Uh, I would say that would not be the way to do it because the communications department does other, other things, not just public access now. So just keep that in mind. Um, but right now, I think that we need to leave that in there uh, for a possible build-out, or we won't have a place to go, or we'll have to renew the lease. Um, let's talk about uh, project number two that we have, 105-8503. Again, 2023 has to do with a digital signage project. Our sign out there has really never worked. Uh, it hasn't worked since we uh, purchased the building, and uh, we would like to have uh, a, a, a way to tell people what's going on and via that digital sign. About $10,000 is needed. Uh, it would replace the current uh, structure in the sign, not the sign itself. And then it would be uh, usable in today's technology. Right now, it's pretty old technology, and, it, and it's not even can be serviced any longer. <clears throat> and that would be done uh, through another company to help us out, along with IT's help. So, And we just have to see if that's warranted for a sign, if that's something you would want to be managed, and information would be put out on that on a daily basis as needed in a short, short form. <clears throat> and that's it. Any questions for Tom? 
comments. Bob? Thank you. Um, regarding the digital signage, uh, what would the uh, expected maintenance fee on that be? Because it's going to need eventual maintenance, I would assume, then once it's been updated. The sign itself or the electronic part of the sign? The electronic part. I don't have an exact cost of what the maintenance would be. It is from Stratford Sign that would manage that and give us the piece that would actually fit in there. Uh, at this point, they're the only company that could, they came out and measured and exactly what we would get fit in there, but it'd be a different kind of display than it is now. It's an older kind of display that doesn't work very often. It got wet before we owned the building. Okay, because it's my understanding that when you put something like that in, then you're looking at periodic maintenance costs that add to uh, expenses. Uh, is it going to be a color or monochromatic? Uh, right now, we're just a single color. Okay. It would be like a red, just similar to like the sign over at the church uh, display that they have. It's it's uh, like a dot pattern. So okay. the only thing you got to decide is, is it, is it a traffic hazard? I always bring that up. Is it caused because that intersection has been an issue, and <laughs> I, I just want to make sure that uh, we're not causing a, a distraction with two signs on there. So those are I'm just bringing that up. Okay, thank you. Okay, Mrs. Spiros. Tom, um, have you heard anything more about um, the uh, cable franchise fees being cut, or is there anything more definitive coming uh, from the state on that? We're going to know more in the next probably month, month and a half, to see if we're going to gain, uh, get that extra half a percent that is uh, supposed to be allotted. If not, uh, yes, we will lose that half a percent this year, even though we, we have budgeted to get it. It would be this uh, 2021 budget, because the state's budget, Starts in July. Uh, we reached out uh, a resolution last night by you guys. It was great. Thank you. Um, providing that to uh, local uh, uh, legislative leaders uh, within our districts uh, and uh, working with the league on this as well and monitoring it really close. Um, as of right now, we're uh, seeing uh, that it won't be, but um, it's kind of still up for discussion in this area. We're supposed to get this. Uh, uh, Continuously, they originally had a sunset of 10 years. It would go down to 4%. That was eliminated by the governor back in 2019. Uh, but it'll, every two years, it'll have to be uh, uh, done in the budget to see if we're going to get that extra 1%. Otherwise, we'd be down to be 4%, which would be about $50,000 of our $258,000 annual fee. Follow up if I may. Um, so, uh, it, yeah, so we're uncertain what that's going to actually look like or, or, or come out. Are there any possibilities of any grants as far as, uh, that you could apply for as far as um, uh, covering some of the, um, uh, the community TV and things like that, the community producers, anything like that to help offset anything? We have talked about that quite a bit uh, in our Wisconsin Community Media Association. Um, uh, some have been unsuccessful in getting those grants. Other stations, a lot have done different things within the community to raise money um, instead of uh, going the grant way, and which has raised 30, 40 grand uh, by the producers themselves, uh, which has helped. Uh, we may want to go that route uh, for the funds of, uh, of the people to be able to use the studio and equipment, uh, like a friends group. but. 
Uh, I think we should look into more grants. Uh, I think they're possible. I, I'm not going to put Jill on the spot over here, but she may be able to help me with grants. Um, I'm, I've never been a grant writer. I did help with Macmillan Library's grant but, uh, way back when they did their, uh, 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 it was a special program. I can't think what it was called, a work, uh, workplace for uh, kids. And uh, so, yes, I, I think it's a great idea. Mr. Wagner. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Tom, you might, we might have to call Steve up for a tag team on this, but how much are you paying in rent right now for your, your existing? Um, we were uh, about oh, $1,350, $1,375 a month. Okay. So it's re relatively uh, reasonable. We went up about $300 and some dollars from the original price to go on the fifth floor. So I, I know that uh, uh, some, uh, I think all city uh, operations uh, in, the, in the community center are pay a rent. And is that correct, Steve? Do you know what the, do you happen to know what the square, what the cost per square foot rent we, we would charge? Or roughly? At the Second Street Community Center? Yes. Yeah, if I think about the tenants, I, I think we've tried, you know, with some of them, like the uh, job center and others, to, to come as close to standard as we can. Uh, I'm trying to picture the the, the actual square footage because I can picture the rent amounts. Uh, I think I'll probably have to get back to you on that one. Maybe well, I, I, I knew you, you. We didn't have the square footage because we don't have a layout or anything now. I just was wondering if you had a rough idea of what the cost per square foot was in that in that building. What we're charging? Yes. Yeah, I, I don't offhand. I'm looking at Dan, who's shaking his head as well. Uh, you know, it, it may be slightly different for each tenant, but we can try and find that out and get it to you. You're trying to see if it's commensurate, you know, with what we're paying. And, and I think uh, Tom is interested uh, in looking at space over there, if it might be plausible as opposed to the fifth floor space ultimately on the uh, in the City Hall Plaza. But I think when we looked at this, it was a reasonable deal for what he was getting. Uh, he's getting several hundred more square feet on the fifth floor than he had on the two first floor spaces. But uh, right. I can give you the answer you want. Okay, thank you. Uh, the other thing, um, uh, the this is no longer the cable TV office. This is the communications office. I think it behooves us to look at other things that aren't necessarily in the future. I mean, I mean, we're talking probably 2023, 2024, 2025, and beyond of basically different elements of communication which could be used. Uh, that would enhance the uh, transparency of city government and uh, give the citizens a better view of what their council and what, what their committees, the committees of the council are doing. Uh, Tom and I have had a lot of conversations about uh, some things. Uh, one of them is low power FM, uh, so that council meetings could be broadcast over FM, simulcast over FM, <clears throat> so that people would, could tune in on their radio and they wouldn't have to have cable TV to do it. Um, that would be one thing, and I, I guess there were some other uh, improvements that we we talked about. Um, he's being very modest in here. I think he, I think Tom is trying to uh, keep the cost down uh, and to keep it within what we're getting. But I think at some point in time, we're going to have to look for outside for other funding sources to uh, to make sure that we get all the services that we can get out of the communications department. So that, I just leave it at that. Thank you, Tom. Mr. Wetzel. I'll just add that we've always been concerned about franchise fees and the stability of them. And certainly now having a full-fledged communications department instead of just running cable TV channel, we want to do this right. Uh, I think Tom and David have made some great strides. 
there may have to be some other funding sources to supplement, uh, but we want to continue to get as much as we can through that and the state offset uh, to do what we can, and we'll go from there. Mr. Witzel. Thank you. Uh, the other question I guess I had, and I kind of skipped over it when I got moving on that sign one, was the uh, second street. Uh, what is your current square footage that you have on fifth street, on the fifth floor? Um, I believe it's about 1350 as we added in the mail room that, uh, uh, for an extra $175. So it did give us quite a bit uh, more. So you have how many square feet? Well, I believe 1350, but okay, I, you... I'm not, don't quote me on that. Okay, and what are you looking at for space at the second street? Basically about the same as otherwise we're going to have to get rid of equipment. Now there is some equipment that we're still using, we don't use, that's basically taking up space, but generally we're going to need at least that amount. Uh, we're, we're half the size of the north end and still have just about the most same amount of equipment. So, okay. I guess I'm having a hard time picturing where you're looking to put this at the second street. We were looking at uh, Justin and I, and he can kind of, if he needs a budget, we're looking at the back area where there is the, uh, the flatter area, excuse me, the flatter area. Um, it's quite large in that area in the back behind, um, before you go up to the library on the left, that whole area there. Okay, so by open. the connector. Okay, and there's no concern of the overhead space because I think when we looked at this uh, way back, there was some concern that it was too short of ceilings. There is, uh, there's no doubt about it. We did, we measured it, Justin and I looked at it several times. It's not as good as we have over here. Uh, that does have some concerns and it would uh, cost a little bit more to add in different kind of lighting for a studio if we needed to do that. We wouldn't probably be able to use the lighting we have. That's why I think the 25,000 is, is really low right now to be able to do something like this. Okay, that's all I have, thanks. Any other questions? Yeah, just, just one quick question. We, we were, were lucky enough to um, get some surplus equipment from the county of Mondo board which I'll let you explain what that is, but uh, are you going to be able to bring that up online so the staff can use that in presentations? Yeah, we, we will be using that. It uh, has a Windows 7 platform, and our IT department would like to make sure it's upgraded, and it is upgradable because our fire department did that, and it was really relatively uh, reasonable. So under a couple hundred bucks, I believe, to do that. And uh, myself uh, and Ang's department are going to get that done here this year and figure out how to mount that uh, that heavy piece of equipment. So, but yes, thank you to the county for getting this, that. This, uh, just for your sake, this is the kind of thing you see the TV weatherman doing to be able to circle something or move things around on a board with your hand, with your fingers. So uh, it'd be a better, it might liven up the presentations a bit for some of you. <laughs> Anything else? All right. Okay, Tom, okay, thank, thank you. you. Uh, next up is development services. Thank you. Um, yeah, I just kind of want to start out by saying we put together a five-year plan with the Economic Development Board. Um, some things have changed since we did this in February, but uh, for the most part, I think we'll, we'll go over some of those changes. Also, these probably aren't all the dollars that we'll be spending. Um, whenever we have TIF-related expenditures, those things kind of come up as needed. So if we have incentive funds or infrastructure for TID 12, the new TID 12, things like that, those are not included in these numbers just because we've, we've thrown darts at, you know, guessing at this point. So uh, we'll start off with the uh, Project 205-6020, the facade program, the downtown facade program. Uh, that's been very successful since uh, 2009. 
Um, we've changed it a little bit. It now includes the conversion of empty space to restaurants and also empty space to apartments. So in getting more entertainment use and more uh, living space downtown. Uh, we have uh, included $70,000 in 2022 and then $20,000 thereafter. Um, we have 20,000 in this year's budget and that's not gonna cover what we're proposing or um, won't cover what the applications that we've received. So looking at increasing it next year and probably future years looking at that, but it'll be a, a year by year situation. Uh, the next project is the Wenzel Family Plaza programming. The Economic Development Board was committed to about, about a five-year commitment to that uh, to provide fu funding for programming for the plaza. Um, we didn't do, the, it wasn't funded in 2021 because of 2020. They really didn't spend much money, so they held off and said we'd extend it to 2023 as a, as a commitment. So um, that, that's right now $50,000. We think that number will come down because there are, will be some uh, proposing some changes uh, down the road for that. So we have that in 2022 and 2023. Uh, the downtown master plan update, the last update was done in 2015. Uh, try to get about 10 years out of our plans. Hopefully that's, uh, so we put earmark that for 2025. Um, depending on what happens and, and things, we just had a presentation of the West 2nd Street Corridor project from a student uh, at the EDB meeting. Um, and we'd be looking to do a up, up, uh, downtown um, uh, West 2nd Street corridor plan in 2021 this year. So depending on how that goes, we may be maybe accelerating that. But right now we have it in there for 2025. And uh, in 2020, or the next uh, project, the EDB has special projects. Um, we um, didn't really have anything spe specified in there as far as what we wanted to do, but we, we we don't want to commit, I guess they didn't want to commit to the Wenzel Family Plaza programming, but also wanted the opportunity to include funding for it. So they may fund it in future years, but they didn't want to just earmark it for that, but also wanted to make sure that they're utilizing the fund appropriately and trying to come up with other projects. They just, we don't know what's going to happen in 2023 or, or 2024 and beyond. So they just had earmarked at $100,000 to do projects um, trying to utilize that fund. Um, the housing incentive program in 2022, we had marked for $250,000. Uh, I think that's a project we can take off now as we're focusing on the um, city subdivision, uh, moving that forward. And then um, the, the mixed use TIF that we're talking about in 2022, may I actually push that up to 2021? That would be the TIF district that would allow for a newly planted residential. So that would address more of the starter homes that we talked about at Tuesday's meeting. So. The 250,000, I think we can pull off from our, our CIP. Um, and so all of those numbers uh, based on what uh, we, we project with the CIP, also with the annual requests we get from the economic development partners, probably would fall within the, the dividend payment that we're getting. Um, so we're trying not to deficit spend um, moving forward. So um, the other funding source for the tax, the, the mixed use TIF district would come from TIF funding rather than the 205 fund. Uh, previously, I had funded, last year I had funded um, or budgeted for that under the 205 fund, but working with Ron, um, our finance director, it said it just makes more sense to have that funded directly from the TIF rather than trying to get it from the 205 and then paying that back. So that's where the, that's the source of that uh, funding. So with that, I'd be happy to take any questions. Mr. Fisher. Uh, thank you, Council President. Um, I just have one question, and it's about the downtown facade improvement uh, program. I mean, I understand what you're saying about the 70,000 and then going back down to the 20, but um, even at EDB, we've talked about the importance of that program. Um, I guess, why would we move it up and then bring it back down? Uh, would be my question. 
Yeah, the original, um, going back to last year, we had a 20,000 each year is kind of an earmark to make sure that we continue to, to look at that program. Um, 70,000 was added to next year's budget because we know there's some larger projects in the, in the queue that didn't happen yet, probably due to COVID, but we know there's some other bigger projects, so we bumped it up. Um, I don't think anybody would be, and I don't wanna speak for the EDB, but I think there's a lot of support for this program, especially the downtown businesses. Um, and I think we have a way to probably revitalize that program even more. But um, so I, I wouldn't be opposed to putting more money in there, but right now it's kind of an earmark amount and uh, you know, we only budget probably what we have. If I may follow up. Uh, I'm just gonna make this comment. Um, I mean, I'm supportive of uh, what you're saying. I just think uh, in future years, uh, we need to take a more realistic look. Because um, when I see when I see this, this is just my opinion, we jump up quite a bit, and then we're going back to a placeholder number um, that we've kind of budgeted. And at least that's how it seems to me. Um, what I'd like to see is maybe when we're looking at this line item, really go, okay, um, what do we really foresee? And I know that's always hard when you're looking at five years down the road, but... CIP is five years down the road. So, okay, well, what projects do we think? And so if that's 70 this year, 40 the next, 80 the next, I, I kind of want to see the trend of, um, and I think part of that is looking at past years and then knowing your inventory, which I know is sometimes hard to do, but even just predicting, okay, what's the inventory going to be downtown? And I think you can get some of that with some of the stakeholders through EDB, Main Street, Marshfield, uh, can help you do that. So again, I'm supportive, but I think in future years, I'd like to see us just do this budgeting a little different on that line item. Thank you. Mr. Hendler. Thank you, Council President. Uh, Josh, you know, I have a feeling that that 900,000 that's coming out of the EDB is gonna have an effect on your uh, future programs from a developmental standpoint. Do you feel confident that that 900,000 is gonna be dearly missed? Well, as we talked at the council meeting, the, the goal is to have that replenished in a pretty quick turnaround. So I think that if, if it wasn't replenished, it would be missed, but I think it'll be replenished. Well, thank you. I'm glad you're so optimistic. I'm not, but... Uh... Are there any more questions for Josh? Josh, were you looking for a motion to remove that one item or just... I guess it depends on the procedure. If, if you want to do it now, you could for the 250,000. Um, um, Amy, I'll ask you about the procedure. We could do it now? Okay, motion? Yeah, I'd like to make a motion to remove the 250,000. Okay, second? Um, do we have a second? Second by Mr. Witzel. Any comments on that, Mr. Wagner? Uh, yes, sir. thank you, Mr. President. Um, the, uh, I, I think it'd be premature to do it until we know whether or not the program is going to proceed as it was designed. He may need this for something else. So I would say at least wait, a, but you're going to be coming back in what, two weeks? Yep. Two weeks from last Tuesday night. So I'd, I would, I, I would uh, propose that we wait until the next meeting to take this out. That's, that's mine. So I'll vote against the motion. Sorry, I didn't mean, no, didn't mean to do that. I just couldn't get my hand up fast enough. Okay. Thank you. Any other, anyone else wish to comment on that? Um, let's do a roll call vote then since there's some dissension there. 
Fire. Facial. No. Rosenditch? Yes. Marshall? No. Wagner? No. Witzel? No. Fisher? Yes. Spiros? No. Budke? Not here. Handler? No. Motion fails. Thank you. <laughs> And if no one else has any questions for Josh, we'll move on to emergency medical Thank services. You. Sorry. Good evening. Um, the EMS fund has uh, 10 projects uh, listed in the CIP uh, for the upcoming period. Um, the first one, and starts on page 48 in your, in your booklet, um, page 49, uh, ambulance 98 replacement. We replace an ambulance every, um, uh, every three years or so. Lifespan on an ambulance is 15 years. Um, this particular ambulance uh, will have been in service for 16 years um, by the time that we end up replacing it. Um, in addition to replacing 98 um, on page 50, uh, there will be a power load system uh, to be installed with that. The power load um, is a safety feature for uh, our crews for loading patients into the ambulance. Uh, it saves on back strains and, um, and other, other uh, issues, uh, re reducing injuries. On page 51, um, extrication tools are slated for 2022. Uh, these are commonly referred to as the jaws of life. Um, today's vehicles um, are not easily cut uh, with uh, the older tools that we have. Um, this set of tools would replace the uh, oldest set that we have, which uh, actually I think is from the 80s yet. Um, those tools are, are pretty ineffective um, on today's vehicles, um, and uh, it just doesn't work anymore. Um, these go through annual maintenance every year, uh, but again, uh, pieces have to be repaired, um, replaced, uh, and uh, it's just not effective. On page 52, uh, Lucas device. Uh, this is an automated chest compression device uh, for doing CPR. We currently have four of them. Uh, three of them were donated uh, by a husband and wife uh, in, the, in the community. Um, our first one uh, was budgeted. This particular one um, would add uh, a fifth one to our fifth ambulance, so all ambulances uh, would carry them. Uh, on page 53, a life pack 15, this is a cardiac defib monitor. Um, our monitors um, are uh, first generation uh, from LifePak, uh, from Physio Control. Um, this is going to be part of a replacement program. The monitors um, are in um, good condition. They have annual maintenance every year. Um, and uh, it's recommended that they be replaced every eight years. Um, this particular one um, is would be our oldest one. Um, 
to make sure that we have uh, good functioning uh, cardiac uh, monitors uh, for our, our patients. On page 54 uh, is a striker power cot. Again, um, getting cots into rotation, um, transporting patients is not cheap, as you can see by the cost on a cot. Um, this is a power one. Again, it works with the power load system, um, but this also uh, will uh, reduce uh, back injuries, uh, which is one of the leading causes of uh, injury on the, on the ambulance side of the house. Uh, on page 55, there is the uh, transport ventilator. Um, this is uh, a replacement program to uh, get rid of the oldest uh, transport vent. Uh, this is used to breathe for someone uh, during uh, different transfers, whether it's uh, coming from Marshfield to Milwaukee and in their facility, or even from uh, far out areas that we serve, Milador, Sherry, uh, coming back into the city. Um, this device here uh, will uh, breathe for the patient. And again, it's part of a replacement program that uh, Deputy Chief Bacus has uh, established and, and uh, is trying to move forward on. Uh, page 56 is a UTV in a trailer. Uh, this was put in initially last year. Uh, we have pushed it back uh, to 2025. Um, there's a lot of uses for uh, a UTV um, in the fire service. Uh, we have several areas within the city that um, in the event of a fire, we can't get to. So if you take uh, off of 29th Street, uh, 29th and Peachish, uh, there's a, a trail that goes back uh, and it is um, a big grassy field. Um, there's a bridge. The bridge won't handle our vehicles. If we catch a grass fire back there, uh, one, it will spread very rapidly. Um, and two, we'll have to call in the volunteer departments who have these UTVs to be able to go in and, and help us. Um, other things uh, would be used for different events down Central Avenue. Um, when we get back to complete normalcy uh, and we have Dairy Fest, we have picnic in the park, we have, uh, you know, Maple Fall Fest, all these different festivals. Uh, it will allow the crews to access patients uh, more easily uh, than running down the street um, or trying to navigate an ambulance through. So they have a lot of functions. Um, and again, um, this is proposed for 2025. Uh, and then on page 57 and 58 is replacement for ambulance 99 in 2026. Again, the 15 year um, goal. We did have uh, ambulances replaced uh, or a life cycle of 12 years uh, and that was up to 15 uh, a couple of years ago. So on the uh, EMS side of the house, uh, that's all and be happy to answer any questions. Any questions for the chief? Mrs. Spiros. Scott, I bet you think I pick on you every time. You do every time. I know. Just wait. Tom is here for another portion. and <laughs> <laughs> I actually just have a couple of clarification questions. Yeah. Um, do, you, do we trade in our old ambulances when we buy a new one? Yes. 
Okay, and I, I just find it very weird that the ambulances, when you purchase them, don't come with the power loads. That seems so weird to me. Yeah, they don't. Um, they're two separate companies. Um, and so, you know, one thing with these power loads, that cost also includes a seven-year complete maintenance mm -hmm. warranty program. Um, we have the power load installed by the manufacturer mm -hmm. uh, when the ambulance is built, but it's a separate component that has to be purchased with that ambulance. And so when you sell your older, you trade in your old ambulance, you, I am assuming, trading in your power load that went with that old ambulance too. So you can't recycle the power loads. You can't take them off and use them on your new ambulance. It depends on the, on the, uh, the age of that power load system because they're always upgrading them. They're always making uh, improvements to the actual mechanical components. Uh, these things, you know, get used, boy, sometimes, you know, 20 times a day, maybe more in and out, in and out, and they just wear away, um, you know, and most times they're not reusable. Okay. And then, uh, I don't really have that much. So the, the, your list um, that, that's gone through the PFC and they've seen this list and everybody's okay with this. Um, the initial CIP does not go through PFC, okay. but that comes up next month. Okay. Um, we'll go through a CIP list with the PFC and, um, with the PFC, yeah, I gotta think if I, that sounds right. Um, but yeah, they'll get it next month. I think I said it the same way. Yeah, I know. <laughs> okay, so that's it. I took it easy on you. All right. <laughs> Mr. Witzel. Thank you. Uh, it appears the only thing you're using tax levy for is a UTP. It's a split between fire suppression and EMS. And $27,000 for a UTV? And a trailer. The UTV itself is... Um, 13. 13 something. Yeah, and we did add a little bit in there for um, inflation because it's going up um, the trailer. And then there's a skid that goes in the back. So that skid will allow us to either transport a patient on uh, a portable gurney um, or you did it now you I, did it. I, I touched the foot of the podium um, or actually able to fight fire because it'll have a pump and a water tank holes on the back that will actually be able to do grass fire okay you commented about inability to get over a bridge now correct me is this the trail that goes off kind of by greasy park there yeah, to the south, between, yeah. uh, the business park. And you can't approach it from the south side then? I mean, you can come in from the north and hit a bridge, but can you also come from the south? and Not, not easily, um, just because of uh, the way the trails are designed. Um, so that's one instance. The other is um, out, um, uh, was it Weber Park to the west? Um, By Holly Avenue? What's that? By Holly Avenue? Yeah. Um, out there um, is very difficult to um, navigate. And then of course, um, there's other areas uh, to the north where um, there are long haul into certain areas. Okay. And it, it, most times the engine wouldn't be able to get up through there. All right, I'll not go any further since that's not in for this year. It's <laughs> years out, I'll leave it at that, thanks. Yep. Any further questions for Chief Owen? Should I kick it again to see if it goes back to normal? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right. You're hired. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up is engineering. There's the big bucks. 
I'm going to suggest that Scott come back up and have our guest speaker cover uh, one of the fire station projects uh, so we can let him get on his way. Okay. All right, so I'm back. All right, so the first um, of nine projects, um, and a couple of these are split between fire and EMS, and, and I'll point out which ones. Um, starting on page 111. Uh, the first one is um, on 112, uh, structural turnout gear. This is the third year of a three-year purchase. Um, to get a second set of fire gear for each um, firefighter. This does not include um, the deputy chiefs um, or myself. Um, <laughs> this is um, this is something that we've been we've been pushing for a long time, uh, and um, we were gracious enough to to get it. Um, in the event of a fire, firefighters come back and they have the uh, the smoke uh, laden gear with them. They can't wash it because they are um, maybe in between their shifts. If they wash their gear, they don't have any gear for the remainder of the shift or the next day. Uh, this allows their second set. So again, it's the third year um, in the three-year purchase. On 113, confined space communications. Uh, in the event that we um, need to uh, go to a confined space emergency uh, to do a rescue, uh, to do some type of entry. Um, this system will replace our current outdated system to be able to talk to one another through a hard line communication. Um, the current one is 20 plus years old. You can't find replacement parts easily. Uh, and this particular piece of equipment um, is uh, very important when you start uh, crawling around in tubes and uh, and holes uh, trying to effect a rescue. Uh, 114 is mobile gear lockers. Uh, for that second set of fire gear, uh, we need to have a place to store it. Uh, this is proposed for 2022 at $11,000. Um, this is one of those, if we need to push back, we can. Uh, we pushed it back two years already. Um, but right now the uh, firefighters store their um, spare set of fire gear in a um, gear bag uh, up on, uh, up in the, the balcony, uh, not the balcony, we call it room 15, kind of the catch-all room. This mobile gear locker would allow them to hang up their gear uh, to allow air to move through uh, regularly instead of being uh, crammed into a bag. On page 115, uh, car seven replacement. Again, this was put in last year, uh, was pushed back uh, to 2023. Um, this is a 2011 half ton pickup. Um, starting to show its age, uh, it actually just went in uh, for uh, some additional work uh, for brakes and um, some type of a, a warning light, uh, dummy light was on on the dash. Um, it is starting to rust, uh, and uh, 2023 is when we've pushed this back to uh, for possible replacement. Hold on to your socks. Uh, page 116 um, is Squad 1 replacement. Um, this is slated at $715,000. Um, squad 1 is our medium-duty rescue 
uh, that uh, we use when responding to hazmat incidents, confined space, fire investigations. Um, it tows uh, our hazmat trailer. Uh, it'll be 20 years old in 2024. Um, but the good news is it doesn't get used a lot. Uh, we put brand new tires on this year uh, and that can probably get pushed back um, beyond the 26 um, CIP. Um, on page 117, stairwell tread replacement. Again, this was re um, initially put in for 2021. Uh, the treads going up to the second floor um, and from the basement to the first floor um, are beginning to fail. Uh, we have very few replacement treads left. Um, this will uh, replace all of the tread uh, to eliminate any safety slash tripping hazards. Uh, that is a split. Also, that'll be a split between EMS and fire. Um, on page 118 and 119 are training facility uh, items. In 2026, uh, we're proposing um, hopefully a, a major upgrade uh, to the training facility. Um, as you know, we recently uh, received approval to sign the agreement with Mid-State Tech for the training center. Um, Mid-State is uh, very excited um, to uh, work on this project and, and to bring it forward. The, um, the proposal on, on 118 is to uh, work on improving the burn building, um, whether it be a burn tower or whatever. Um, firefighters have to have um, uh, so much training, uh, even initially and, and ongoing, to maintain proficiency in uh, fighting fire. Um, it's not as simple as just pushing water onto the fire. There's a lot of science with it, um, a lot of technical stuff. And uh, this is a step towards um, fixing that. Uh, on 119 facility and props, um, this is uh, to go along with Mid-State's annual contribution uh, up to $25,000. Um, so uh, what this would do is our matching funds um, would help improve all of the props that we have, uh, put new props in for firefighting, um, and simply uh, update uh, current ones that we have that, that are in need of it. And the last one, um, on page 120 is an HVAC desiccant system. Uh, and this one here, um, I am not 100% uh, uh, of understanding of what this all does. That's why Tom Schaefer from Complete Control is here. Um, but this is, we have humidity issues in the station. This is kind of the final piece to eliminating um, uh, humidity in the station. Uh, over the past at least four years, um, we've been doing a lot of improvements to the HVAC system. Uh, and Tom can actually explain a lot more of this. Um, but this here will basically remove the humidity um, before it hits the living quarters, the offices, um, eliminating uh, chances of mold uh, and other uh, issues. We can't open windows in the fire station to let fresh air in to, to, to move, to circulate. Uh, the windows are all sealed. Uh, and this here um, will 
um, help reduce the outside um, humidity. So when it comes to, to this desiccant system, if you have specific questions, uh, Tom will be happy to answer them. Uh, it's what he does. And that's it. Any questions for fire and rescue? Very good. All right. Thank you. <laughs> you just look like you would be able to answer the questions. <laughs> Engineering. Thank you. If you're following along uh, online, it's page 60. The paper copy I have is page 59, so I'm not sure what the difference but, uh, So the engineering projects start with uh, 5th Street, uh, Chestnut to Oak. Uh, this one has been uh, in, the C in and out of the CIP. Uh, first proposed uh, in the 2011-2015 CAP for construction in 2015. Uh, the scope is a total reconstruction of this segment, which would include underground utilities, sewer, water, storm sewer, uh, new pavement, sidewalk, pretty much the whole, the whole thing. Uh, it's driven by a need for underground utility repairs and replacement. Um, it was last proposed in the CIP in 2014. To 2018 for 2018 construction but it's one of those that we we don't have an immediate urgent need but we know we need to do something at some time so it's been an easy one to push back uh, right now I'm trying to reintroduce it uh, in the fifth year of the plan to start engineering in, in 2026 um, but we're getting to a point where we've done not much or very little with the surface because we know we have a, a reconstruction project coming at some time so either we'll need to move ahead with a reconstruction project or decide we're not going to and, and do just some kind of a surface treatment on that street uh, for a short-term life extension. Uh, the next project um, is Lincoln Avenue from 5th Street to Adler Road. Uh, this was a, a project that was uh, we received funding through the uh, STP, Surface Transportation Program, which is federal funds that filter through uh, the State Department of Transportation which will cover 80% of the reconstruction. Uh, this would uh, convert the ditch street to a curb and gutter street with sidewalk uh, on both sides, uh, linking uh, existing sidewalk along 5th Street to the, the trail that uh, runs along Adler Road. Uh, the project has already been underway. The consultant selection took place earlier this year, and they started with some survey work, uh, and they're on track to be ready for 2023 construction. Uh, if funding becomes available. It's actually not programmed till 2024, but we've had some success in the past by getting our engineering done early. If DOT has a project that doesn't quite make the finish line and then looking for one to advance, we want to be in position to slot ours in if, it, if, it's, uh, if there's room. So we're on track to, to meet that target. 
the next project, uh, you may have heard of 17th Street, uh, Maple to Peach reconstruction. It's been another one that's been in and out of the CIP for a number of years. Um, it is now programmed for 2022. And um, we have uh, modified the scope a little bit over the years. Originally it was proposed as a, as a concrete pavement. We switched it to asphalt a couple of years back, uh, modified the estimate uh, downwards a bit. Uh, we started survey work on it in preparation for 2022 construction. Uh, Tom staff is ready to jump into the design process shortly and engage the residents on this project. Um, if you compared the numbers to last year, I did bump it up by about 45,000, 4% or so, just because we are starting to see a little bit of inflation creep in on our, uh, our bid prices. Tom opened bids on uh, last week for a project for this year, and we're just starting to see things tick up a bit. So. We uh, thought, I better, thought I better add something in that project. Again, that's converting the street from ditches to curb and gutter with sidewalk on both sides. Uh, next project is our sidewalk annual ordered repairs. This is for inspections that we would make, uh, repairs that are needed to be done by uh, uh, the adjacent property owners. Um, we've mainly focused on complaints area, complaint areas, uh, following up and issuing orders that way. If the property owner doesn't do it, then we use this money to uh, do the work with uh, under city contract and then uh, would invoice the property owner. We also use this uh, fund for the safe step method where we cut the lip off of a, uh, the sidewalk. That's been very successful for us. Uh, rather than replace uh, the complete sidewalk, there are methods now to just shave that, that tripping hazard off and that's, we use that. Um, the, the proposed dollar amounts here at roughly 30, increases a little bit, 30 to 35,000 a year, are not really enough to do large scale um, improvements or replacements you know, in full neighborhoods or anything like that, but we do wanna take care of the complaints and uh, trip hazards with the safe step methods and we're, we're able to keep up with some of those things. Uh, the next project is our, our annual asphalt paving program uh, starting in 2022. Uh, our long-time target has been $2 million a year for the asphalt paving program. This covers the, the asphalt overlays on concrete streets as well as the mill and place program, which is our typical restoration or re rehabilitation in our residential streets with, with ditches. Um, so ten, $2 million a year over, 10, or over five years is about a $10 million target in our five-year uh, capital plan. Uh, this year, you'll, or, or this plan, you'll notice that it's we've cut back in the first two years of the CIP to, to uh, hit the reduced uh, borrowing targets that uh, Ron has suggested for us. Uh, so we've, we're just over 1.7 million for 2022, 1.8 million for 2023, uh, and then in the later years, we, we bump back up to 2.2, just over two, and 2.3 million. So we, we still hit our 10 million dollar target over five years but it's lighter in the early years and heavier or larger in, in the later years. Uh, so the next few projects are all um, the asphalt paving programs for the various years. I would point out that uh, for instance, in 2023 and in future years, you'll notice that we have some money uh, identified the year before for engineering work. Uh, we're, we're finding that uh, utilities and others want plans earlier to know what, what we're doing on streets. So our goal is to get the engineering started the year before. That also allows us earlier interaction with residents when we can get uh, design process started and get their, their feedback and 
and let them know what projects are coming. So you'll see that even though we have uh, made our $2 million targets, we have roughly 40,000 in the, the year prior to get started on that uh, with engineering the year ahead. <clears throat> okay, I'm gonna jump ahead to uh, page 72, which is a traffic signal LED bulb replacement. Um, in 2003, 2004 timeframe, we received some grant funding to replace all of the, the uh, traffic signal bulbs in, in our 27 signalized intersections throughout the city uh, with LED bulbs. And those bulbs came with a 10 year warranty. Well, it's, it's well beyond 10 years now. So we've gotten our, our life expectancy out of those. And now we're starting to see some failures and we've been replacing those as they fail, but it's certainly more cost effective to do an entire intersection at one time than to go back, jump around town and we just replace the failure. So this would start us down that path. We actually had 15,000 included in the 21 budget here. So we'll be doing the first uh, set of these replacements uh, this year. Um, next project uh, I want to touch on is uh, Arnold Street, west of St. Joseph's reconstruction. I'm on page 74. Uh, this is a, a new project for this year. Uh, it was in last year's CIP as just a standalone sanitary sewer project. But this might be considered a typical evolution of a project. So we proposed it as simply sanitary sewer related work for 2021. Uh, as we got into the design process, uh, looked at storm sewer, realized that the storm sewer is very close to the sanitary. It's probably needing replacement. We can't get at the, at the sanitary without replacing the storm. The water department has their new priorities with lead service lines and they want to replace their water main. Pretty soon we're replacing all the underground uh, under this street and we need to replace the surface. Um, and we're disturbing curb and gutter with lateral replacements and so forth. So now it turns into a total reconstruction project. So we had to bump it back uh, to 2023, added some dollars for the street work. Uh, and then of course we'd take care of the utility work with it as well. Uh, the next project, Vine Avenue, second to fourth reconstruction. This one is, is a similar situation where we have needs to do sanitary sewer. We know there's uh, some drainage issues in that neighborhood. The water department has old water main so rather than just put it in as a sanitary sewer project, we, work, we cut to the chase and put it in as a reconstruct project for those two blocks of uh, vine from second to fourth. Um, next, we're gonna get into some sanitary sewer projects. Uh, these are funded with, uh, entirely with wastewater user fees. Uh, the first is our ongoing uh, sanitary sewer lining uh, projects. We've been doing this for 20 plus years. Tom can tell you how many miles we've already lined. It's been very successful in uh, cutting II infiltration and inflow out of our, our systems. And we can, we'll continue doing this until we have, I'm not sure how many more years left. Sam probably knows how many more years we have to continue doing this to get everything done, but uh, we will continue working on that. Uh, the next project, Lincoln Avenue, Fifth Adler, that's just a companion to that street reconstruction. We would uh, repair, replace sanitary sewer as needed Part of that street work. Again, next the project 17th Street, Maple to Cedar, sanitary reconstruction, uh, that sanitary component of the street project. A Cedar Avenue, 8th to 14th Street. This is uh, actually a standalone uh, sanitary sewer replacement. Historically, we've tried to match up street replace our street surface needs with sewer projects. 
Um, and sometimes we can do that. Sometimes there just isn't the, the priorities just aren't the same. So Cedar 8th to 14th wasn't necessarily on our list for needing street surface improvements, but it does need sanitary sewer work. So we put together a standalone sanitary project to address that. And that, again, is funded 100% by wastewater utility. Uh, next one is another standalone sanitary sewer project, Walnut Avenue from Depot to Blodgett, uh, three blocks of, of sanitary sewer, four blocks of sewer replacement. Nope, two blocks, sorry. Uh, we've got a few more standalone sewer projects, Franklin Street, Central to Chestnut, um, 4th Street, Maple to Vine. That timing, and it's right next to the Vine project I just mentioned, so it's likely we'll try to pair that with uh, that Vine sewer work in, in 2024. Uh, and there's uh, a little bit of sewer work on um, south of 5th Street that we'd compare uh, with that as well. We have another little project on Franklin to replace some sewer, uh, some work on Arlington from Lincoln to Schmidt to reconstruct some sewer, uh, and then Arnold Street west of St. Joseph's. I mentioned that one earlier. That's companion with the street, street project uh, we talked about previously. Cherry Avenue first to second. Uh, that's a, a standalone sanitary sewer project. Uh, we also have one uh, down 3rd Street, Cherry 3rd to 9th, Edison Street, Cedar to Vine. And I think we have one more here. Yeah, Chestnut Avenue from Depot to Blodgett and a stretch on Depot Street as a standalone sewer project. Uh, again, we'll work those in as, uh, as funding is available. And they won't always necessarily line up with a street project, but we do when we can. So. Those are the engineering projects. I'd be happy to answer any questions on those. Any questions for Dan? Mr. Wetzel, what would you like to talk about? Um, you said fully funded by wastewater on a lot of those projects. That means no assessment to any of the property owners on that section. It's totally completely paid by wastewater or is there some cost sharing with the residents? If there is work on sewer laterals, the, the line that runs from the main up to the house, the residents would be responsible for that. Now we have our, our sanitary sewer uh, lateral incentive program that if we have a lateral replacement in the street and the homeowner replaces their section of the main beyond the street up to the house, they can be forgiven that special assessment. Uh, I think you're familiar with that, with that process. So, there would be a special assessment, but the homeowner ha would have an option to avoid the special assessment if they would instead replace the rest of their sewer lateral. Okay. So the main itself, no cost. The main itself, there's no cost to the Okay. That's correct. Thank you. Any further questions for Dan? Seeing none, we'll move on to facilities management. Okay, we only have one project here, and that's that's the beauty of being in a newer building. Uh, we used to have a long list of projects related to City Hall, but we have just one project now, and that is the boiler replacement in this building. Uh, if you read the narrative, there's actually two, two boilers in this building. Uh, one of them has been giving us a little bit of trouble with some uh, leakage, and we think we have some corrosion issues going on there. And I had proposed it in 2022, but in our effort to balance that year, and because we're having problems this year, we're, we're thinking we may need to replace boiler one this year yet. So we'll be looking for 
some funding, possibly contingency or other sources to uh, replace that boiler number one yet this year. So that just leaves us one boiler to replace yet and we're targeting 2024. Uh, boiler two has not given us any trouble yet. So we, we fully expect it to make it to 2024, which would put it at the uh, uh, 20 plus year mark um, uh, prior to replacement. That's all for facilities management. Any questions about the boiler? Okay, moving on to the Fair Commission, Fairground Commission. Sorry if Dan got you guys sleepy. So we'll spice things up with the Fairgrounds Commission, which is not very spicy. Uh, the city makes an annual contribution of 25000 each year towards capital improvements at the fairgrounds. Uh, the Fairgrounds Commission itself is an independent organization made up of three individuals from the city and three individuals from the county who kind of decide uh, capital improvements. Uh, right now, not much has been done there. Uh, there's been some small projects because uh, there was some rather large projects back in 2015 that were done. Uh, so the loan that they have out right now expires at the end of 22. So this uh, money will start to go to work in uh, 23. So right now there's 25,000, which is matched by the county at 25,000 for a total of 50,000 uh, goes to paying for a loan. Uh, I'll entertain any questions right now. No questions. Thank you. The library. Okay, on page 125, you'll see we have two items up. The first one is $82,000 for the ILS replacement. That is the integrated library system, and that covers everything from our, it's our operational system. It's acquisitions, catalog, customer accounts, interlibrary loan, the whole works. Um, it's our really are probably our second most, uh, highest expense outside of personnel. And we received a grant to cover that entire cost this year. So we, I would like to ask that this item be removed from the CIP. We have a motion to remove that item from the CIP. Motion by Mr. Wagner, second by Mrs. Spiros. Um, all in favor, or any discussion on that before we vote? All in favor of removing that item from the CIP, say aye. 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 Anyone opposed? Hearing none, motion carries. Great. The second Continue. item is our generator replacement. We have a generator in place um, primarily to keep our servers cool. Um, the second use for it is to keep the library operational in the case of a power failure. Um, in many communities, libraries actually act as emergency shelters, and I believe the community center might still be considered. No? Um, while I'm looking into grants to see if we can actually have the library declared as an emergency shelter, this would be in case of a major tornado, that sort of thing, people can use the library as a resource. So I am actually looking into grant funding to also cover the cost of the generator. But in the meantime, I'd like to leave that on the CIP. Any questions? Okay, thank you. Thank you. Parks and Recreation, Justin again. Just for a point of clarification with Jill's question about the community center, uh, we have been asked to 
act as a community, or a, not a community center, but an emergency shelter for uh, some situation. I think it was at um, one of the places, uh, one of the retirement communities lost power. We were going to house some people. But our Oak Avenue Community Center is a, is, a, is a disaster fallout shelter if need be. So we do have two. So. Um, all right, moving on to uh, Park and Rec, Oak Avenue Community Center, which is on page 129. That is the replacement of the gym floor in there. Uh, it's uh, served its life and the floor is deteriorating, starting to buckle and we can't uh, sand it anymore. It's uh, down to the nails. Uh, so that is scheduled for 2025 for 85,000 uh, using room tax dollars. Moving on to uh, the Comprehensive Outdoor Recreation Plan, or otherwise known as the CORP. It is a, as a, as it provides an updated analysis of the parks and recreation facilities and programs and services offered by the city. Our uh, last one was done in 2014 and expired in 2019 or 2018. Uh, this typically, this program is used uh, to acquire and receive uh, grants. Um, so we need to update it and we have it scheduled for 20 23 uh, using room tax dollars. The next one is uh, the Adler Road Trail project uh, that is scheduled for uh, 2022, 2023, and 2024. As you may recall, we did receive a grant from DOT to cover 80% of these costs. And this road, this trail project would extend from Sycamore down to Weber Park. Uh, so it would entail not only the construction, but easements and right-of-ways and stormwater management. Okay, moving on to our parks asphalt program. This is an ongoing maintenance program for all the parks asphalt in our park system. So it includes sidewalks, trails, parking lots. It also includes seal coating, resurfacing, uh, complete replacements, whatever is deteriorating, whatever needs the most attention. We, uh, we address it, uh, the zoo drive around areas kind of starting to fail in some areas. So we'll use this money for replacing sections of like the zoo drive around area. Uh, monies are allocated in 2022, 2024, and 2026. And those monies are coming out of the room tax fund. The Wildwood Park South parking lot is the south one that you enter uh, kind of by the Wolf area and the Eagles. Uh, the parking lot is used uh, quite extensively for special events and larger activities. Maple Fall Fest, Rotary Winter Wonderland. Uh, they run a June Fest and then also um, the Halloween event. Uh, we do have issues there when we have large events because cars are not able to turn around. They get to kind of a dead end and then cars are backed up and then they end up getting, believe it or not, stuck in some of the mud and causing ruts. Uh, this uh, project would entail adding 24 parking stalls and a turnaround area at the end. It would include design, permitting, construction, lights, and restoration. Next project is the Project Park parking lot. Now, if you guys remember, the park used to be a campground. It is no longer an acting campground. We have the Al-Anon Club that is operating out of there. It's a horseshoe road, and uh, the road itself is deteriorating quite a bit, and it's scheduled for 2022 using room tax dollars. The next is the Wildwood Station building room divider. 
in the wildwood station itself, it is rather large. We can split it in half and have two rentals at the same time, uh, providing privacy to both groups. Uh, the room design, the room divider itself is original, which was built in 1998, and it's starting to deteriorate. Obviously, it's a moving part and it keeps getting uh, divided, so we need to uh, address it. It is scheduled for 2023 uh, using room tax dollars. Uh, the Grant Park Playground, if you're not familiar with the Grant Park, it's over by uh, the clinic. Uh, that Grant Playground needs to be replaced. It's deteriorating. There's a lot of rust on uh, decking and uh, structure starting to fail in certain areas. Uh, so that one is scheduled for 2023, and that one is also using room tax dollars. The next one is the Brain Park softball field. This is part of the overall master plan that was done to the park and to address the softball field itself. It would be replacing the infield mix, the fencing, moving the field to the southwest, uh, new dugouts, uh, new grading, new park amenities, bleachers, site restoration, and uh, it'd be a nice uh, addition. Currently with the new um, changes over at the high school, uh, the varsity JV team uh, practices and plays their games at that park now. The next one is the Steve J. Miller Park retaining wall. This is the retaining wall that's near uh, the GP Olson Westfield. There's a map kind of depicting which retaining wall we're referring to. Uh, this retaining wall holds the infield in place or the outfield in place. Uh, if it fails or starts to crumble, obviously that will fail and then the material will start to spill out. Uh, this one is scheduled for 2022 for construction in 2023 and it's coming out of the room tax fund. Okay, moving on to the MAC softball fields or otherwise known as the fairground softball fields. This would be improvements to the actual concession press box uh, dugout area. So it would be new siding, new LED lights, ventilation, doors, and then ceiling decking and around the area. Um, the fairgrounds itself was used by adult softball leagues all summer as well as youth leagues and we have uh, Columbus and middle school teams uh, playing their games and practicing at that field. Uh, it is scheduled for 2023 and the monies are coming out of the room tax fund. All right, the next one is a second street community center and it is the replacement of the boiler. The boiler is original to the building. It's 61 years old. It has served its uh, lifespan. We've been told by uh, Jeff Moulter from facilities management as well as uh, Comfort Systems to replace the boiler, and it's scheduled for 2025 for 55,000, and those monies are coming out of the room tax fund. Uh, the zoo pasture improvements. Uh, this is the fencing around the drive around, the large animal area. Um, some of the areas are starting to fail, and uh, USDA requires these sections to be solidified. So we typically have uh, two sections, one for the animals and one for the people. So they're separated by 10, 12 feet. And so we got to do replacement and repairs to those areas. This one's scheduled for 2026, and those dollars are coming out of the room tax fund. All right, the next one's the Brain Park Forest and EAB Response Plan. Uh, Brain Park itself has a high amount, high density of ash trees inside the wooded area. It's also a very popular area for disc golf and walking. So we need to get in there and do harvesting of those trees. 
Uh, we're planning on doing a bidding next year in which we bring a forester into log, and then we'll be able to receive some of the monies that can go back into replacement trees in there, as well as grading, uh, planting of grasses and shrubs to try to establish more of a habitat back in there. The Brain Park itself has probably close to 1,500 ash trees in there, and we can't allow EAB to get in there and then start to deteriorate the trees because then it becomes kind of a liability issue. Or we have to take disc golf out, and disc golf is a very, very popular activity at that park. It's, uh, we also took out the disc golf course down by Hefco, now the Van de Hay Waters, so it's becoming growing in popularity. That one's scheduled for 2022 for 25000 and it's coming out of the room tax fund. And that is all I have. Justin, uh, what is the situation with the room tax um, after post-COVID? Are we getting any room tax money? Yeah, yes, there's still room tax. Um, we were able to complete majority of the projects that were scheduled for last year. Um, we just had to downscale some of them. And then uh, we did receive donations once some of the groups realized that the projects weren't gonna happen. So a uh, couple groups were interested in replacing the Greasy Park scoreboards. And when they realized that COVID hit and room taxes weren't coming in, they said, well, I'm willing to help out. So they helped out. So we were able to get most of the projects done. Okay, wonderful. Um, any other questions for Justin, Mr. Witzman? Thank you. I've got a couple things that I jotted down here. Um, the ash tree situation, they're gonna have to go whether we do it now and hopefully get some money from a company that can utilize the wood or we do it in five years after they're infected and we gotta pay to have them removed, they gotta go at some point or another. So I, I know it's gonna be devastating to that particular chunk of land. And I know that there's gonna be a lot of people who are crying foul when they see us essentially clear cutting or what seems like it's clear cutting because of the volume. But I think it's important that people realize it has to happen. We might as well do it now when we can still, you know, get some benefit out of the process rather than just having to pay the whole thing. The room dividers uh, in that Wildwood station, are those all one big panel that accordion fold or are those individual panels? Just like you said, one big panel that folds okay. up like an accordion gets hidden in the wall. When there's an event that requires separation, we pull those out and secure them. And I'm guessing it's the folding that's yeah, the wear and tear, it's essentially the moving parts that yeah. are falling apart. Yeah. Have you looked at or are you thinking about looking at other options for dividers? Like um, I've seen divider uh, systems that are actual individual panels. So there's no accordion folding. It's just a line of panels. You put them all out, you turn them, and then they hook into each other kind of. We can look into it, but this is the company that provided them during construction it's kind of an accordion system where it's hidden behind a wall. You yeah. can't really tell. These also they're, hide. They're, they're essentially the same thing, but instead of being accordion folded, they just nest together once they're all lined up. So, you know, something that it may cost a hair more, but if you can avoid having to replace it, you know, because the folds are no longer a problem, it might be worth looking into. We'll, have, uh, we'll look into that one. All right. That's all I have. Thanks. Any other questions? Thank you, Justin. Police and emergency management, Mr. Zapps. All right, uh, good evening. I'll start with the emergency management side. <clears throat> the only thing you'll see, and this all begins on page 157. 
We do have three emergency sirens in the next five years that are reaching the end of their life, and that's our manufacturer recommendation. So those total $18,000 each, so that's be a total of $54,000 uh, throughout the next five years. Uh, we are also slated for one ordinance vehicle. We typically keep an ordinance vehicle for seven years. So 2022, that's going to reach the point where we're going to be looking at getting rid of that. And that really is necessary because, uh, you know, like the squad cars, those are driven a lot. They, they get a lot of wear and tear on them. So that would be coming up in this CIP. <clears throat> the third item uh, would be police investigative vehicles. One of the things we looked at uh, recently is if we could back that down from one every year to one every two years. And uh, I'm comfortable doing that. So we're going to move those starting in 2022. We're going to put those on a, a four-year rotation. And what that means is we have two drug detectives. They'll get a new car every four years. And after that, then they go to general investigation. So we're really getting about eight years of life out of that car. And depending on the shape of the car, we'll also keep it for an extended amount of time if we can use it for training or something to that effect. So we'd like to begin that in 2022. Uh, finally, we have uh, the CIP. I'm sorry, that'd be about a total of 115000 over the course of that uh, item. Uh, we're looking for 15 frontline patrol squads. We switched three of those out a year. And I think we covered a lot of this in the budget process. Th those cars take a relative beating with idling, temperature, drive time. Um, and we also need to be very reliable. So we switched three of those out every year. And the total for that over the course of five years would be 717,000 uh, approximately. So with that, I would be happy to answer any questions. Any questions for Chief Zach? Seeing none, we'll move on to Stormwater. Thank you. We just have one project in the Stormwater category. Uh, this is a, a neighborhood uh, stormwater improvement in the Colonial Laird area up in the northwest quadrant of the city. Uh, we have an open channel there that uh, is a pretty significant drainage way and uh, the residents have asked that it be considered for enclosure. I don't think we're seeing any property damage or, or of that sort, but uh, this has been on the list for a while. It's one that kind of gets pushed back a little bit every year, but uh, it's still uh, a worthwhile project and we keep it on the list. Um, and, and since that's my area, I will speak up for that project and I'd love to have it moved up to next year because <laughs> then, I won't then I won't field any more phone calls about it. But. The, yeah, the residents there would love to have this steep, rocky ditch full of weeds and whatever blows in from the neighborhood uh, covered up and taken care of as soon as possible. Streets Department. Good evening, everybody. Uh, Streets Department has uh, six uh, things in the uh, five-year CIP. Two of them are annual, and we are on page 164. Uh, our annual uh, annual seal coat and crack filling, uh, 400,000 has been a number that we've been using the last several years. Uh, that, that involves crack filling our asphalt and concrete streets and uh, seal coating and surface treatment on our asphalt streets. Uh, on page 165, we have the other half of the street department roof replacement. Uh, this came from our building assessment uh, from done in 2017. Uh, it was listed as a priority potential critical and it has kind of moved up in that scope. Uh, we are actually 
uh, seeing some leakage and having to do some patches on that. So this year we're replacing the flat roof on the new building uh, on the west side. And in 2022, we'll be replacing the dome roof, the old part, which was built in 1944 in 2022. Uh, along with that, um, Building assessment, there was a street department electrical service upgrade also. Uh, we pushed that out to 2025. And then the final uh, report from that report was the tuck pointing, which is also will be done in 2020-23. Uh, the original building dates back to the 40s uh, with a significant addition in 66. And maintaining the exterior brick is critical uh, to the longevity of the building. Uh, right now, if you, every once in a while, when you walk outside, you'll see some bricks that are actually falling down off the side. Um, uh, fueling depot upgrade. Uh, one of the things that uh, Wall Petroleum has looked at, our fuel depot is uh, actually 19, 1997, so it's uh, 24 years old already. And if you can picture your old uh, programming, your garage door openers where you push the buttons up or push the button down, that's how this system works. It's kind of like an old analog system and it doesn't uh, communicate well with our new uh, fleet management software. So we'd be looking to upgrade that in 2022 and uh, be able to uh, actually do all of our, we would have to go outside and, and read the pumps and put a stick down the tank to see how, uh, how many gallons we have in the tank. Everything would get more um, modernized basically. So. We do have a little gauge and a stick to see how much uh, fuel is left in the tank. So, uh, and finally, um, the, the biggest thing, and I think there was a lot of talk about this last year, was our uh, annual equipment replacement fund. We came up with a five-year plan, uh, thanks to the help of uh, the engineering department, development services, uh, the guys there, uh, my staff, and uh, um, Ben from Park and Rex. Um, we came up with a five-year plan. Um, equipment replacement program. Uh, it's slated at 650,000. It was kind of fun to try and fit those numbers in there. And after I got done with it, it's amazing how close I got each year. But uh, yeah, it was, it, was, it was a little bit difficult getting quotes for uh, equipment this year and trying to project that out to see what that's gonna be like in three and four and five years. So uh, with that, I will take any questions. Any questions? I don't see any, so thank you. Thank you. Move on to technology. Thanks. Um, so technology, we um, on page 190 on the hard copy uh, on the Adobe is 191, if you want to follow along. Uh, we have a total of 14 projects. Uh, listed. So I'm going to try to use this since nobody is using it. Um, so the first project is the um, Microsoft Windows Server license upgrades. Um, and you will hear this like a broken record. Majority of the project that I have is because of hardware or software, um, there are only so many years that the vendor would support. And once they reach end of life, uh, they will not release any security patches or updates to it. So you got, we got no choice other than to upgrade to the next versions. So um, 
Same thing here, we, we are running uh, server 2012R2, and therefore it will reach the end of life in um, 2023, and this amount of money that I'm estimating based on past upgrade, this is roughly what it would cost uh, to upgrade. And then the next item, uh, same thing, is just the exchange server. Um, is the email server that we have. Um, the only caveat is the amount of money that I put in could be totally wrong because um, I just recently read that Microsoft used to sell the license and you can buy, say for example, we've been buying server license for a certain versions and then we use it for 10 years and then about 10 years and then we buy the next version and then we use it another eight to 10 years. But with Exchange, starting with the next version, I'm reading it on the online that they are changing it to a subscription because they figure people like us that are <laughs> spending the least, least amount of money, um, so they are going to changing changing it to a subscription base, and then so they get money out of you every year instead of just letting you slide eight nine years at a time. So, um, yeah. Um, Uni trends upgrades. Um, I know this sounds kind of interesting to you, maybe. We just did the upgrade like this year, and then I have this on the list again. Um, the reason is the Uni trends is a backup box. So every four to five years, um, the storage that we use uh, grow. Therefore, the backup to the backup device potentially could run out. So based on the past history, about four maybe five at the most, that we would run out of space on, on the backup device. Um, so it needs an upgrade. Again, the plan upgrade is 2025. Um, the next item is the Cisco firewall. Um, this item can, can actually delay to a later year, should you prefer to do that. Um, we kind of throw this out there a few years back you know, put it out three or four years, but guess what? It's now reaching, you know, 2023 will be the year that we get the upgrades. Uh, it's, it's not reaching the end of life. We can certainly delay that to a later year. The only thing is we are re reaching a point that, you know, is a good problem in the sense that in the past, you have a firewall that can um, support a much greater throughput and your internet line has always been the slowest link, so to speak. But today, we actually have the reverse. We have a uh, WISNET internet line that can run, that can support 10 gig right into this server room. But our firewall can only support 2 gig of throughput. And then by the time you add firepower, which inspect the packets for, you know, malware and whatever, it brings the speed down to 600 meg. So, um, while we do not necessarily need 600 meg for what we do here for today, it, I think it's kind of nice that if we can afford to upgrade, then it benefits every department division that use the internet connections. Um, especially PD, you know, they on a daily basis, um, they upload their body cam video up to the cloud. And that certainly, you know, would speed up that process a lot more. So. Um, And then the next item is the network penetration test. 
Um, again, it's every other year that we plan to do that. Uh, it costs about twelve to fifteen thousand each time, and um, I just have it. We have one budgeted this year, and then the next one will be twenty twenty three, and then twenty twenty five. Okay, the next one, um, recreation software. It's just a request from um, Justin. You know that they are thinking about replacing the Parks and Rec software. Um, in 2023, they are looking at that possibility. Um, next item is the wireless land controller. Um, the the land controller is is a um, centralized brand for the Wi-Fi network that we have. So, if you ever use a Wi-Fi in different city buildings, you notice that it uses the same SSID, and that's where the land controller is. It centralize the control of all the Wi-Fi that we have. The, as I was saying earlier, uh, same broken record here. Uh, you can only use the hardware or software for eight to 10 years, and then it reach end of life in support. Um, and this, this is the reason for the replacement. Um, send controller upgrades. Um, this is the one that, this is another example of whatever I put here is to say is no longer accurate and the other thing is i don't even have an answer for you today because we just have a call yesterday and what it is is our saying um we used to have something called compellence and it was bought over by dell so it became dell compellence and with dell compellence what what it is is it was a nice um structure of how they price their items we were able to reuse components in the past. So the hard drive, the 10 terabyte drive that we have, if you upgrade your controllers, you can just use that and you can, and they even allow you to uh, reuse the license. So if you buy so many licenses to have so many hard drive in your SAN, as long as you pay the maintenance fee, you can keep using that. Of course, the reason some company, you know, have M&A, merger and acquisition is once they buy out the competitor, they're going to come in and change how the whole cost structure. And as of today, I do not have an answer. Whatever I have here, quite honestly, is no longer accurate. And I could tell you that the 250000 that someone would not need would come in handy with this. Had to throw in that big number. It is near that number-ish um, for a same upgrade, unfortunately. So we'll try to see what we can do with this. Um, telling them that, you know, city government could not just, you know, come up with money this quick. So we are hoping that we have been told maybe they will extend the end of life by another year or two, or they might give us a larger discount. So we'll see what happens in the next couple of months to see if they can come up with a better deal. So um, spam filtering, some of you might have heard this last year, and yes, it was actually approved in the CIP last year. Um, but then when, you know, during the budget time, we were asked to offer any cuts. So we offer this one up so that we can delay that by one year. And again, the reason for that is we do have a lot of projects that's, that were coming online this year. Therefore, we offer this one as a cut. Um, but we are hoping that, you know, in 2022, we'll get this back, so. Uh, Laptops for council members. I know some of you have been complaining about the uh, Surface tablet is, you know, 
the, the battery life is getting shorter and this and that. So we, our game plan is to um, get a replacement of the entire batch of uh, laptops next year. Um, the VMware VDI, um, this technology is, is the VDI stand for the virtual desktop infrastructure. And this technology uh, came in handy during the pandemic because this allowed uh, a lot of the city employees to work from home. Um, I know we, we just did the upgrade not that long ago, a year or two ago. The only caveat is the version that we are in um, does have an end of, uh, they call that the end of supporting guidance in 2023. So we need to upgrade to another version and there is some consulting cost and version upgrade cost involved. Um, Microsoft SharePoint um, essentially is the, the old name is EDMS, um, Enterprise Document Management. This is where we track our paper documents and, and whatnot. Again, that software get upgraded uh, a while back, but uh, is slated to reach end of life in 2026. So that's why we are putting this on the CIP list. Um, the next item is the Unified Remote Monitoring and Management, or IMM in, in short, in IT world. Um, we, do, we currently do not have something like this. It's just that we have different pieces of software. Um, some of the users are familiar with TeamViewer. We use that to connect to the users to look at their screen, able to uh, control that. Again, that software was purchased many years ago, and the license um, we were lucky that back then they allowed us to buy that one license and use for as long as we want and not have to pay them any penny. But the, lately that software has been um, giving us error. We, you know, we have a hard time connecting. We have to do two, three attempts sometimes to connect up with the users. Uh, on top of that, we, we are using um, freeware whenever we can. Um, for like the inventory, you know, we scan the computer and see what software and hardware you have. And those, those programs, you know, also expire long ago. But anyway, bottom line is with these RMM programs, we'll have a package of software that do a number of things that we currently do using different pieces of software. We'll have one kind of one dashboard that does all of this. Um, and the one other key thing is um, the remote control software that this one that we are looking at, um, you know, it complied with the stitches because currently, quite honestly, when we connect to the PD squad car, um, it is not exactly stitches compliant. And they we need to be um, stitches compliant. Stitches stand for the criminal, criminal justice information system. Um, Last thing, I should have changed this to a different name because EBS has been the old name that we have been using, but we want to use the keyword enterprise to make sure that our user, when, it, when they think of a, a software that they use for the day-to-day -day city business, uh, we want people to think of enterprise-wide so that this is just my software and nobody can use it. We want people to think this being an enterprise, so it's a cash receipts program or it could be you know, a business license program and so on, that uh, our idea is use a name that um, everyone think of this as an enterprise-wide so that everyone can share or look at the screen. 
Um, technically, this is EBS 2020 because it was an EBS from 2010 or whatever period. Um, what I mean by that is we started the EBS projects uh, in 2020 and a number of the program, um, the accounts pay payable, accounts receivable, the payroll, the Kronos uh, time and attendance, they all went online uh, this January of 2021, more or less. So um, it's just a term that we use because it represents our enterprise-wide users using this package of software. And it may or may not be one same software. Sometimes there's a couple you know, different vendors involved in, in this package. Um, so what you see here is, is, is like year three, four, and five. And the money that I have allocated here, I have actually trimmed them down. And they may be even trimmed down um, in the future years because we are kind of like finishing up our uh, implementation. You know, we'll finish a lot of them this year. And then next year, we'll, our list may get even shorter. So the money that I have listed here could get, you know, smaller as well. With that, I think this is the end of all of my projects. Any questions for Thank you. We are we are at the point here where, in order to be done by eight o'clock, we would have to stop. But we only have two items left. What is the wish of the council? Keep going. Keep going. Okay. Excuse me. I just wanted to mention that Brian Panzer was planning to participate, but he emailed me during the meeting looking for the Zoom link. So. He's uh, not here, of course. So I just told him we'll try to get him on the next agenda to cover his projects. So okay. Well, then we only have one. Yeah. Sam. I got a deadline, huh? All right. Um, I think I'm on um, start on page two fifteen. Anyway, uh, phosphorus removal improvements. Um, this actually was promoted by the consultant to be a one-time, it was borrow $4.7 million and do the projects. And we decided to string it out, started in 2019, uh, certain projects every year, replacing the fiber, working on aerators, replacing things. I've got a detailed breakdown if somebody's really that interested. Um, moving on to the next one on page 216, um, vehicles. The big one is in 2022, that would be our combination jetter vector. That's the one, if there's ever a sewer plug up, that's the machine that rolls and gets the plugs out. Um, that's on an eight year life. Um, as recommended, we replace it then. Um, we work on it almost every week now because we use it so much. Um, so it's still a reliable piece, but it, it's end of its life is coming for us. It'd be much more suited for a smaller community that doesn't need it as much as we do. 2025, we have our, what we call M94. That's our lift station truck. It's also the one if a homeowner has a backup in their basement, that truck rolls because it has the equipment to get the laterals opened up or televised that we can help them with. 2026 is our televising equipment. And to kind of piggyback on what Ing said, the televising equipment in that trailer will be 12 years old then. So it's kind of 
definitely reached the end of its useful life and it's not gonna be supported very much longer. So that might be a stretch to go that long, but it's a placeholder in there. Lincoln Avenue lift station on 20 or on 217. That uh, we've, we have four lift stations. We'll be doing Manville this year. We've done the other two lift stations. Uh, Lincoln's the last one left. Um, we've been piecemealing that along and we're down to the point where we just want to get in and fix all the electrical. Um, that was um, put online in the 1970s. So you want to really see some old electrical equipment. It's in there. Um, this last one, the phosphorus disc filter, this is kind of a placeholder. Um, Dan and I talked it over and nobody likes a surprise. Um, our new phosphorus limits will come in in 2023. Uh, we're doing trials right now for the disc filter. This is what the engineer's estimate was it would cost. We really won't know for sure until the trials are all done and everything's evaluated. But instead of trying to throw it in at the last minute for next year, we wanted to put something in there. So that number could slide either way. Um, and the last one on page 219 is a facilities plan. So in order to do the disc filter or any type of disinfection equipment that's adding to the process, the DNR mandates that you have a facilities plan. Ours expired a while ago, but I knew we weren't doing any major upgrades. So I wasn't gonna spend the money until I needed to. So that's where we put that in. Um, for some of the new members, um, everything in wastewater does not come out of tax levy or the property taxes, it's all coming out of revenues and user fees. So we're a little bit different that way. I guess that's why I end the show, huh? <laughs> Any questions for Sam? Thank you, Sam. That brings us to the end of our list, except for the university. So we'll move on to Item, number, item F, council questions, request for more information. Um, anybody have questions or requests? Mr. Wagner. Yeah, thank you. Um, I'd like uh, to ask Steve uh, to have ready for us. Uh, I, I, I read the, uh, the ARPA guidelines that you put out for us uh, the other day, or you yesterday, I think it was, you gave it to us. There's some very promising things in there and I'm thinking, that there might be some ways that we can uh, um, basically reduce our borrowing, our necess necessity of borrowing uh, by replacing some of those things that might be ARPA, uh, um, ARPA eligible. Um, aside from that, the one thing that really caught my attention was almost an open-ended uh, commitment to uh, low-income housing and broadband. Those two things are just wide open in that ARPA thing. So that's we're gonna be getting a nice chunk of money in that. We might be able to reduce some of our, our uh, borrowing uh, by substituting some of that. But I'd like you to give us a, a little bit of a report at the next meeting on how that works. Okay, thank you. Any other questions for any of the staff or for Steve or requests for further information that you need for our next meeting? Great. Uh, Item G is um, our notes our next meeting, which is Thursday, May 27th at 6 p.m. Okay.
Um, do we want to look at a different day? If Mr. Fire has a conflict and Ms. Spiros has a conflict, but I'm guessing that probably we all have conflicts. I'm good to attend it by as mm -hmm. long as Given where you are in the process, if I can jump in for a second, I mean, you have the, the UW yet to present and you have some questions. Got um, Councilmember Wagner brought something up. I think there was a couple of notes that I had from earlier in the meeting, uh, but you could look at other options. You could even look at something prior to the, the regular meeting, uh, you know, on the 25th. So the door is open if you want to make a change from the 27th to something else. How is our availability to start? What do you think, an hour earlier on? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess only some members sitting here today know how many questions or concerns you have, things you might want to change in this list. But depending upon what you feel about what's been presented tonight, an hour might be satisfactory. I mean, you know, we could always uh, start at six or, you know, at, uh, at five or whatever, or we could, we could doctor the times a little bit to make it work, but give ourselves an hour roughly to finish this process. But again, I don't want to, I don't want to cut it short. It's your process. You may have some changes that you want to see. What's the pleasure of the council? I'll need to attend that one virtually also. Yeah. That's fine. I mean, as long as you can be here. Okay. Steve, we'll discuss it and uh, perhaps we'll come up with a, an hour earlier on that, or earlier time on a regular meeting on the 25th. Okay, but that, that's our next regular meeting. So as far as and we got to get out notice of that if that's what you're thinking. Is that agreeable to everyone to meet an hour earlier on the 25th? Okay. At five? At or? five. Okay. 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 Thank you very much. I'll entertain a motion to adjourn. Mr. Fire. Seconded by Mr. Rosenditch. All in favor? We're adjourned. All right.